Welcome to In The Loop Podcast, a podcast that is inspired by the Western culture and the rodeo industry. I am your host, Jordan Joe Hullabaugh, professional rodeo athlete, business owner, married to my best friend, full-time cowgirl, and I am blessed to get to do what I love to do each and every day. My goal is to promote this industry and specifically the sport of breakaway roping. On In The Loop Podcast, we are bringing you behind-the-scenes stories of what real life looks like every day from cowgirls, cowboys, industry producers, leaders, trailblazers, you name it, we talk about it. We are sharing stories of this Western culture and the lifestyle that they live daily. Join me as we share these stories of the amazing triumphs, trials, and victories, defining moments that we all have along this journey of the amazing way of life that we live. You are officially in the loop. Let's get to it. Okay, guys, so today I am here with a very good longtime friend of mine and somebody who has made a huge impact in my life as well as in y'all's lives as well. I am here with Paige Lawrence with Paige Lawrence High Performance Coaching. Uh, Paige, thanks for coming to the show today. Oh, man, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. We were just reminiscing about all of the sweet memories that we have, what we've got going on. Uh, Paige is literally thriving in the chaos right now. She is a brand new mom to Forrest, who is, we are biased, but one of the most precious baby boys that we have ever seen. Uh, so Paige, talk a little bit about how your life has changed in the last few months and what all you've got going on. Yeah, man, we could spend the whole podcast talking about this, but I'll give you the Coles notes. Um, I became a mom in middle of at the middle of September to Forest, which was crazy and exciting and just like overwhelming. Um, I was really fortunate enough to be able to give myself some time off. I went on a maternity leave until the end of December. And my husband, Richmond Champion, and myself, we honestly just showed up and muddled our way through figuring out how to be a parent. Not that it's something that you ever figure out in air quotations, but uh, we got in a new groove. We went to the NFR throughout December. Richmond was competing there, which was uh, an absolute ride having a three-month-old in Vegas for two weeks, but we <laughs> we survived Vegas. Um, and then now I'm back to work full-time myself as a high-performance coach and just learning how to navigate through life as a mom and entrepreneur now. It's wildly fulfilling and also incredibly challenging and yeah, I'm just trying to show up and be as real and honest about what I'm learning works and what doesn't work. And uh, hopefully we'll just continue to be able to help people show up better in their own life because of everything I'm going through as well. Well, and I love that. And that's one thing as when I worked with you on your high performance coaching, you you did. We showed up every day and there was a very authentic, vulnerable conversation that happened. And, and you taught me how to do that. But I want to really dive in on the fact that I love that you were able to give yourself maternity leave. You're your own boss. You're your own entrepreneur. Uh, 
talk about that. What an opportunity to, and just a freedom feeling to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm my own business. I, I bring food to the table, but I'm going to give myself maternity leave and really be present and focus on what's going on here. So talk about the decision that you made there and just, just empowering how that was. Yeah. So I think it really comes down to my definition of success. Cause that's really what as high performers, what we're all about is creating success and whether it be in the arena or outside of the arena. So for me, my definition of success really revolves around living a life that I love, that is fulfilling to myself as well as adding value to other people's lives. And when we were thinking about what that looked like for me post baby, I just realized that I needed some time to figure out how to step into this new role as a mom, um, without sacrificing my definition of success. I didn't want to put myself in a situation where I would be suffering and where my work would suffer and my clients would suffer. And so, because I have these high standards for myself of how I'm going to show up and how I'm going to serve, um, had some hard conversations with myself and just realized that taking time away was a big, important thing for me. I worked my tail off the last two years to be able to have money set aside, to be able to provide a comfortable income and living situation for myself. And uh, yeah, it was a really big win for me to be able to have forest and to have the space and time to, um, I guess, evolve and most, maybe most importantly, just get enough sleep so I could return to being an, a, a real life <laughs> human. Um, no zombie mode? Yeah, before expecting myself to show up and operate at a high capacity. And so it was really just a slow down, an opportunity to pause, to check in with myself and to move forward in running my business in the way that felt right and on the right path to be a successful entrepreneur again. Well, and I love, love so many different things about that, but mainly the fact that you did it for yourself and you, and you had those hard conversations. And I think that that's something that we see a lot in our industry today, not just in the arena, but outside of the arena as well with women who own their own business. And maybe it, it's not uh, necessarily having a baby. Maybe it's a new life change, or maybe it's just any kind of circumstance that's going on, but being able to have those conversations and be honest with yourself and provide yourself with what you need to move into that next season, that takes a lot of strength. That takes a lot of resilience. Thanks. Yeah, I think it, it's really like what we're talking about here is the pressure to fit yourself into air quotation, the norm, right? To see what other people are doing and to think, oh, I have to do that as well. Um, I think it's really easy to try to, or sorry, I think it's really easy to follow in the trap of trying to fit in. And instead, I think where the real transformation happens, whether it be in the arena, whether it be in building a business, whether it be simply in becoming a mom or building a relationship, is the ability to pause, to tune out the outside noise, to check in with yourself and say, what do I need in order for me to show up as my best right now? Because that's what I'm here to do is to show up as my best. And that can and will look different than other people. Well, and I I just, it's like the past coming back to me again, because I don't know how many times I've heard you ask me that same question, Jordan, what can you do right now to show up as your best? And, and when you ask yourself that question and you're really honest about it, 
you, you really get pretty intentional and focused on, okay, does this matter? Does this matter? And you start eliminating those things and really zoning in on what does matter for you. And, and I love everything about that. And that's part of what you've helped me with is high performance coaching. And one of the things and several of the things we're going to talk about today is you guys have submitted as as our listeners and everybody else has submitted a lot of questions that you might have for Paige. And so I'm going to kind of rapid fire these questions at you, Paige. But this is a, a variety of different questions from our audience that maybe are ropers, they're maybe moms, they're sisters, they're fathers, they're husbands. I mean, there, there's several different questions here, but I love just the spontaneity of all of it. And so are you ready for these rapid fire questions? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm ready. It's a pop quiz. Let's see what I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Confidence. This is a confidence question. When I'm in the practice pen, I feel like I have all the confidence in the world. But when I get to the event, sometimes I lose my composure, I lose my confidence, and I feel like I don't belong. What are some tools that you could give to help me to overcome that? Yeah, I think what we're talking about there um, is imposter syndrome, that that belief that I am not worthy of stepping into this arena, this competition and belonging. And that absolutely plays into confidence. And I think there's a million different ways that we could work on building up the confidence and decreasing that imposter syndrome. But I think what I would recommend starting with and you're going to recognize this. It might be the answer I give for every single one of these questions here because that's <laughs> very important. It's tuning into your self-talk. That's really what this comes down to. Being able to show up, pay attention to the words that we're saying to ourselves. that has the ability to transform how you show up in every aspect of your life. Because I would imagine, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to imagine and say that in the practice arena, you are talking to yourself like you are capable, like you are confident, like you know what you are doing, like you are focused on the exact thing that you're working on that day. And guess what? You go and execute it because you feel good because you are focusing on what you want to go and do. But when you step into the competition, or the, the arena, self-talk changes. We tune out of what we're good at, what we're focused on going to do, what we're competent at why we're capable of competing at a high level or why we belong. We tune that out. We actually focus in on the insecurities. We turn the volume up on all of the insecurities and doubts and hesitations and fears that are going on in the background of our mind. And we actually turn them up really loud. And then we feel insignificant, insecure, full of doubt, not sure like we belong. And so if we want to change how you're showing up in the arena, Pay attention to your self-talk, how you're talking to yourself in the practice pen. Bring that self-talk intentionally into the competition, into the arena, into the rodeo. So self-talk, I think is huge. Pay attention to how you're talking to yourself. And I would say short form notes. When we go to compete, pump yourself up. Focus on all the ways that you are prepared and ready. Start listing off all the reasons why you do belong. Start telling yourself all of the things that you want to get out of this particular run. What are your specific goals? Let's narrow the sphere of influence. Bring it into you, yourself, your horse possibly, and say, what do we want to get out of this? And then talk to yourself like you're a capable, confident, 
I don't know if I can say badass on here, but badass that you are. <laughs> you can. Okay. And, and I, Glad we can do that. And I love that because it, it is something that you're not aware of and you don't recognize, I think was one of the biggest things that you helped me really to kind of point out was on the self-talk. So for me, and I want to know your input on this as well, but like I am a writer, which you know, and I love to write journal and keep track and be able to kind of go and see that progress over time. What are some other techniques that you can use on your self-talk to kind of monitor that, make sure that it's where, you know, where it is currently and then maybe where you want it to go? Yeah, exactly what you just said there, the writing it down, that really is key, especially at the beginning, because here's the thing. We have, depending on what study you read, anywhere from 20,000 to 80,000 thoughts that go through our mind every single day. So I'm not saying I need you to be aware. Yeah, it's a lot. And there's no way that you're going to be aware of every single thought that goes through your mind. You would be completely overwhelmed and probably feel like a crazy person. Instead, I think it can be fair to expect yourself to raise your awareness in the moments that matter the most to you. And so in this particular case, I would say the practice pen and when you go to compete. And I would say, again, that's still a broad amount of time. Uh, Let's narrow it. Give yourself 10 minutes when you're in the practice pen. Have a little notepad beside you. And just start to be aware of when negative thoughts pop up. When you hear yourself say like, oh, I can't do that, or I'm not very good at this, or man, that was terrible, or there's no way you're going to be ready. Start to write some of these thoughts down and then write the reframe, the thing, the correction, the thing that you would like to tell yourself that is more helpful. Write that down. Start to get well versed in your tendencies and where the negative, unhelpful self-talk creeps in in practice and start to be familiar with what your reframe is. Same thing in the arena when it comes time to compete when you're in your warm-up. Give yourself 10 minutes of time. Have that notepad. Start writing the stuff down as you notice the insecurities, the doubts, the negative self-talk popping up. Write it down. Draw attention. Write out your reframe. What's the helpful fix here? What do we want to focus on instead of the fact that I don't feel like I belong or so-and-so's got this kind of rope and I've only got this kind of rope. Like, that obviously means I'm not here to do as good as them. Like, I don't know. I don't rope. But Tune into the things that make you feel like you are not ready. Write them down and give yourself that reframe. But give yourself just small windows of time so you can be very um, aware and intentional with that. Continue doing it over yeah, time. Think- and like your Go self-talk on. becomes, yeah, just like continuing it over time, it takes a lot less work. I can do a reframe now in half a second. When I first started working on this, when I was 15, man, I was wasting wasting practice sessions just writing out all the negative self-talk because I was talking so trashy to myself, right? It takes more time at the beginning, but it's so worth it to get this into a, a repetition to build up that muscle memory. Well, it's like compounding, you know, it's like when you're beginning to now, like you said, boom, you can reframe, you can reframe and but it takes work too. And, and that kind of leads me into my next question is, I am working on my athletic performance as well as my mental conditioning. How long should I give myself in a time frame to see results? It's kind of a hard question. <laughs> it's a tricky question in the sense that um, see results is super vague. And this is one of the problems I see with a lot of, I'm going to change this a little bit. I'm going to give you a, a little side tip. Change it this up. This is one of the spices. This up. is one of the, 
this is one of the issues I see with goals that people tend to set. They're so vague that I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. There's no way to measure your success, whether you've achieved it or not. There's no way to monitor progress because I don't know. What does mental conditioning mean? What does better mean? What's the right amount of time to see what results, right? We could be talking about anything. And so instead of setting goals that are so vague like this, it's going to help you with the answer to your question also, but to set goals that are very specific. So if you would like to get better at mental conditioning, what does that mean? Do you, in fact, feel a lot of imposter syndrome and you want to become a more confident self who is feeling ready to rope at their best when they nod their head? That's a little bit better defined, right? Are you someone that wants to become a pressure player so that when you make it to a short round, you're actually able to show up and rope like you do in practice um, rather than falling apart. Okay. That's more specific. Cool. So the more specific we are with where you actually want to improve in your mental conditioning, the easier it's going to be for you to show up and make improvements in that area. And if you know what you're doing specifically to make improvements in that area, it's not so much about the time spent. It's about the milestones that you can break that goal back down into. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And I think, too, one of the things that as we went through this and and one of the things you taught me, when you dive in and you are more intentional and focused about those things, you take back the control. Like instead of those things controlling you, you're now you're like, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal when you actually confront it head on or you approach it head on and you you are specific, like you said, about some of the the intentional, like really focused things. And so it, it makes it a little less um, scary. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I just think, I mean, it's less scary. It makes it feel more attainable. It makes it feel like it's in your control because you're quantifying it. I'm giving a real clear definition. I can see it. I know what I'm going after. I have a target that I can work towards. Gives me power. Gives the control to me. I'm able to create very clear action steps. Like we love that, right? If it's too vague, you don't know what the heck you're trying to do. You don't know where to start. You don't know if you're making progress. You don't know if you've accomplished the thing. We're not setting ourselves up for success with goals like that. Yep. Okay. I love that answer. Next question. I get nervous. Should I breathe? Should I do a routine? Should I just not go? No, I'm just kidding. They didn't say that. <laughs> what are some strategies and or routines that I can do to help my nerves? Yeah, good question. Um, should I breathe? Well, definitely. Breathing is important for living. <laughs> Please so let's, do. let's keep breathing. <laughs> um, two two uh, answers to this. One, nerves are a great thing. So congratulations. And we often hear that thing like nerves just mean that you care. Yes, for sure. But I would say that more than that, nerves are a wonderful thing because they're putting you in a state where you have the potential to perform at your best. Okay. So what I mean by that is that we all, 
each individual have what's called an individual or an ideal performance state, or maybe you've heard of flow state. It's essentially that like that mental state that every athlete loves and strives for. It's where you go to compete and it just happens effortlessly. Like time changes. It either slows down for some people or it speeds up and you finish performing and it was so easy and you forgot what you did. Um, it is one of those things where muscle memory just kicks in and you're not thinking about what you want to do. It just happens. Your IPS, that flow state is where we want to get you to when it comes time for you to nod your head and show up. And to get there, we actually do need some nerves. We need a feeling of pressure so that our energy gets elevated. We produce adrenaline, our cortisol changes, like we have this hormonal shift that's occurring in our body. And along with the nerves, we need to be focusing on our ability. Our ability to perform with the nerves has to both elevate. Does that make some sense? So what I'm here to say is nerves are great. Love that you're feeling nerves. Now what do we want to do with the nerves? How do we want to match the nervous energy to get that ideal performance state? For this, I would say everyone is a little bit different. Some people will reach that ideal performance state, that flow state when they're feeling super relaxed. Everything is easy breezy. We're slow moving. We're not getting that heart rate up. We're doing those deep breaths. We like to be super, super chill. Those are the people that you like will see just sitting on their horse maybe or on a chair and just like not a worry in the world before they go to compete. They're Mm -hmm. managing their nerves to match that energy to show up and capitalize. Some people are like, I don't know, a cat on catnip. They are like to be so (laughs) revved up and high energy like they're slapping their face before they nod their head, like they're about to take on the world. And that works for some people, right? I -hmm. like to define my IPS as like a happy seven. I like to be very joyful and happy energized, but I definitely was higher on that scale of higher energy. I was seven out of 10 on my energy. I like to be like breathing faster, quick, fast warmups and really electric. And so different for every person. So I'd say first step is tune in. How do you perform your best? Whether it be in the practice session, whether it be just luck of the draw, you got lucky one day and you nodded your head and it happened. Pay attention to how you compete as your best. And then the second part about routine or warm up style or breathing That's the fun part. You get to personalize your approach to get you to your ideal state. So if you know that you're an easy breezy, super chill person, cool. We're going to do some slow breathing, maybe some four, seven, eight breathing. We're going to be doing slow warm ups. Like maybe it's just a walk. Maybe we're doing some sitting and visualizing. If you know that you are like that 10 out of 10 to the moon, high energy scared shitless, like that type of energy. Cool. (laughs) Maybe we're doing sprints. Maybe we're doing some quick fire breaths. Maybe we're doing some like really intense visualization. Maybe we got some tunes blasting in our ear to keep that energy high vibing. It all goes into what makes you feel like you want to feel when you compete. So it's a vague answer. 
But it's very important, I think, answer to recognize that it's not a one size fits all. It's not right. that it's everyone. It's not just one thing fits everybody. Yeah, exactly. You're going to feel different when you compete at your best than I feel, than my husband feels, than Joe Blow feels. Right. Well, and and I think that that is a great answer, too, because I think everybody... it it's easy to watch somebody have success and then be like, I'm going to do it like that. And maybe that doesn't work for you. Maybe that's not this, you know, so just going back to everything that you're saying, but I love that one size does not fit all. Um, One thing I kind of want to build off of that. And I would like you to talk a little bit more about is the visualization component. We have seen a lot more of that recently come out. People are talking about their visualizing. um, They're doing different things. What are your thoughts on visualization and how can we use that best to apply to our daily practices? Yeah, the mind is such a powerful tool. I love visualizing the visualization practice because you are training what I'm using air quotation, what muscle memory essentially is without even moving your body. So what I love about this is that overuse injuries are a real thing. Injuries in general are a real thing that we have to think about. Um, And maybe also just like the fatigue that you're dealing with, like our physical body does have some limitations, whereas the limitations for our mind, they are far fewer, right? I would wager the power of the mind right now is limitless. We haven't really figured out the full scope of what the mind can do. So I think that visualization holds a lot of power for people in practicing and performing because you can go through a ton of repetition in your mind without affecting the physical body. I would say that there's a couple things to keep in mind when it comes to visualizing is take it seriously. So as seriously as you would approach a practice session, approach your visualization with the same intention, right? Don't just throw a run through in your mind haphazardly because what you're thinking is what you're training. Hmm, That's good. So, Go into visualization. Go into your visual. Oh my God, I can't say it now. Visualization. Visual. <laughs> We're visualizing. We got her so stirred up, she can't even talk about it now. <laughs> Go into it intentionally. Secondly, there's two things to be aware of, two types of visualization to be aware of. One is what I call like first person or the second type is like video. I call it video visualization. So the first person is I'm doing the thing. So my viewpoint, what I'm visualizing is what I'm seeing if I were to actually go and do it. The second type is is like as if you were watching it on video. So instead of seeing what I'm seeing, I'm actually seeing my entire body. I'm standing outside of my body and I'm watching myself go through the, the performance, whatever I'm practicing. And I would say to be very aware that you aren't flipping back and forth between the two mid-run. You want to stick to one throughout the entire visualization. And two, practice both of them. Put yourself into both of those situations. You can see different things. You can feel different things. And you're tuning into different senses. So the brain is firing in slightly different ways. So we're just making sure that we're getting that full scope when we're visualizing. 
That's very interesting. I hadn't ever thought about watching it, like you said, from a video perspective. I've done it similar like where it's myself. I feel myself doing the action or or see myself. I guess I don't feel myself uh, doing the action, but I haven't ever really had that perspective of watching myself. So I'm going to have to try that. Oh, yeah. I find that most people are one or the other, typically. Like I, I am someone that sees it like That's a video and I had to work hard to become the person that could be in body doing the thing. So yeah, play around yeah. with, with both of them. That's interesting. I will do that. Okay. Next question. Let me flip my page here. Sometimes I feel like the thing that holds me back the most is when I get into a slump. It seems harder to get out of a slump than it did to get in the slump. Do you have any tips or tricks to move out of that slump or just not get there in the first place? (laughs) (laughs) I like that question. Yeah, Yeah, I'd love to just not get there in the first place. Just don't ever go into a slump. That'd be awesome. Man, there's the fix. Just don't get into a slump. 100%. I I think this one does relate back to self-talk. Like I said, it's such a foundational piece to improving the mental aspects of performance, how you talk to yourself. The words you're using create the reality that you're living in. I said it once, said it twice. Maybe I'll say it three times on this this episode. But it's so true. Or a million. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) So what I typically typically see happen when we get into, air quotation, a slump, is that we've shifted our self-talk and we're focusing on aspects that prove that we're in a slump, that we're not performing at our best. Go with me here because I don't get to talk to each of you individually. And this is where I always get pushback. Like, what do you mean I'm creating my reality? Like, I'm not making up the fact that I'm in a slump page. I haven't won or made any money in like two months. I'm like, yeah, I get it. There's aspects of your reality that will be unalterable. They are your reality. But your words create your experience of that reality. That's good. And so I often say that we will find proof, evidence of what we are looking for. So if we've got our glasses on and we're looking at our life through the lens that I'm in a slump, I will draw my attention to all of the things that prove that to be true. Oh, I feel tired today. And and my truck has a flat tire and my horse is being a dum-dum and like my legs are sore and everything is hard. Oh, it's raining out and I hate roping in the cold. And like, this is just the worst. And why am I out there? Right? Right. We become hyper fixated on all of the things that show us how hard of a time we are having. Whereas if you want to get out of a slump, You have to be the one to first change the mindset and look for the proof that you are improving, that you're climbing out of that slump, that you're getting better, that things are improving long before you will start to see, oh my gosh, there's the sun shining. It's raining out, but I got rubber boots and they're super cute and I'm excited to wear them. (laughs) Yeah, it's raining, but I'm at my favorite rodeo. And yeah, I didn't make any money last night, but you know what? I told myself I was going to go out there and score the, with this in particular thing in mind. And I, I did it. I did the thing I said I wanted to do. So I am making improvements. We have to shift our focus, shift what we're paying attention to, shift the words that we're using to ourselves to convince ourselves 
that we are making improvements to change what we focus on, to change our words, change our reality. Does that make sense? Ooh, high five. That was an awesome answer. I love this. <laughs> love this. I'm getting pumped up. Okay. <laughs> Next question is what tactics and tools do you use to go about goal setting to be most efficient? Yeah, I was going to say like I have your efficient- goals right here in front of me. If anybody wants to see it, I will probably give you a free download. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to leave the efficient part out of it. Um, because I think that when you set goals, especially at the beginning, you have to work at it. It's a skill set just like anything else in life. And you have to give yourself the time and the space to pour energy into your goal setting because you're going to get out of it what you put into it, both in the setting of the goals, but also in the showing up and working for your goals. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. I'll get off my soapbox because I feel like that's an important thing to say, but it's not super helpful. So here's how I go about my goal setting. I like to focus on relating to sports specifically. Business is a bit of a different approach and it's a bit more intensive, I would say, but for sports specifically, I like to focus on two types of goals, outcome goals and performance goals. I always start with outcome goals because these are the results that you want to achieve throughout your season, right? These are, I want to win so-and-so. I want to make X amount of money. I want to qualify for the NFR for the first time. So placing top 50 in the standings, I don't know what your outcome goals are. They're relative to you and where you're at in life. But the outcome goals, you want them to be challenging and to really push you to show up and work your butt off to get better. But they also have to be realistic in the time that you are focusing on them. So if we're doing yearly goals, it has to be a realistic goal, right? If we're 190th in the world, I don't even know if the standings go that far down, but if we're 190th, in the world saying I want to be in the top 15 by the end of the season that's a motivating goal but it might not be realistic for that time span so maybe instead say I want to be making the NFR in the next five years this year I'd really like to make x amount of money or like this is the outcome goal I'm focusing on so I really set myself some outcome goals that I find really motivating really inspiring that are going to help light a fire under my ass and get me to show up and work my buns off to make the improvements The second type of goal that I like to set or to help people to set are what I call performance goals. These are the action-based goals, the improvements that you have to make in order to reach those outcome goals, right? So if you want to be top 15 in your event, what does that look like in terms of how you're performing? What, um, What is the average of catches? What is the average of placings you're going to have? Um, where do you need to improve yourself technically in order to win such and such amount of money? I love performance goals because these are 100% in your control. These are the actions you'll take, the improvements that you'll make. These are the things that you'll focus on day in, day out in the practice pen. These are the things that you'll focus on improving when it comes time for you to nod your head and compete. This is the like the meat of what you get to go and do. So take some time and really think to yourself, what are the improvements that I need for myself to hit my goals? What would that performance look like if I was roping as my best this year? Write those down. 
Those are powerful freaking goals. Then move forward, focusing primarily on the performance goals and knocking them out of the park. And if you do that, you've set yourself up more chances than not to achieve the outcome goals. Simple as that. And I love one thing I'm going to add to this that I love that you do that you provide. And I definitely stole yours and printed it out for 2024. Just so you know, like I'm a thief, stole it, printed it out, (laughs) did it. Um, But you break it like you you help us to create a vision. But then we do our outcome. Then we do our performance. But then we break it down monthly, weekly, daily, if you want to hourly. Sometimes like for me, I try to do hourly with all the mini hats I'm wearing. I love how you broke down that process because for me, it was very overwhelming when I was like, here's my big goals. And then it's like, oh God, I mean, how does that even like, it's not even fathomable. But then when you break them down, it's like, oh, well, I, oh, this is every month. And oh, this is every week. And oh, this is every day. Okay. I, I mean, then it seems attainable. Yeah. It's so important to do is, is to break these big goals down into smaller bite sized goals that add up to reach that big goal. And like you said, excuse me, something that I'm a really big fan of that I did in my competitive career is we broke our season down into training chunks. So we went month by month. And then in that month, we know what we want to accomplish. So what does that mean that we're showing up and doing weekly? Because if we want to have the end of the week having accomplished this, what does that mean that we're doing daily? It gives purpose to how we're showing up and what we're doing day in and day out which I just think is so important, but it really does connect the dots from what I'm doing today to that bigger end of season goal, um, which just puts the control back in your hand, my friend, right? Which we love. Love it. We love, we love the control. We love to be in control. Makes us feel warm inside. (laughs) Um, Okay. My next, I have two questions left for you, but this is one of the last ones. So Hang tight. Okay. Um, okay. As an Olympian, what were two of the biggest impacts on your career, whether it was a coach, a friend, a competitor, a quote, what made the biggest difference for you? Oh, wow. Save the best for last. <laughs> that is tricky. I think that's really hard. You said, what are the two? The two things, or is it just yeah, one? It said or two? two. I mean, oh my gosh, you could pick a... one. You can pick two. It said two, but I'm going to give you the top twenty. I think they were things. trying to not just focus in <laughs> on yeah, one hundred things that made you an Olympian. Go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I won't say the power of self talk, although it it, it was. <laughs> I think I'll name that this episode, The Power of Self-Talk with Paige Lawrence, champion high-performance trainer. Um, I will say, number one, my support team. The coaches that I use, the, the, I surrounded myself with a team of experts because my job was to be the best pairs figure skater competitor that I could be. And to be that, I wanted to pull from a team of experts that knew a lot more in these other areas to help make me feel like the best holistically. So I had the best coach. Right? We had a technical coach. We had three different choreographers that we worked with. We had a um, mental performance trainer. We had a, same week, so I was a pair team, so my partner and I. We had a massage therapist, a physical therapist, a personal trainers. We worked with a nutritionist. Like, I 
really took the time to look at myself and as a competitor, as an athlete, as a human to say, where are my weak spots and who can I hire and bring in to help elevate that area so that all the way around page is at peak performance. So I think number one, creating a team, whether it just be you and a support team, like a a mom or a loved one at first and continuing to build from there, be intentional with the people that you bring into your support team, because those are the people that you are going to trust and rely on and build with moving forward. So be really intentional about creating a expert driven support team for yourself. And Secondly, I I think similar to the self-talk, I learned that perspective is really powerful, right? We're all going to have difficulties, challenges, obstacles, injuries, failures. But if you have the perspective and the commitment that you're going to be the best, you can figure the rest out, right? If that's the one thing that we know to be true, we can dig deep and problem solve and change the self-talk and change the habits that we're creating to show up and prove that perspective to be right. Um, That was a really big one for me, I think, was just like the fact that I had made the decision early on that I was going to be successful. I was going to go to the Olympics. And whenever I had an opportunity to give up on myself or to change my viewpoint on the day-to-day getting lost and how challenging it can be, I was always able to pull myself out of the messiness I was in to that higher vantage point, that greater perspective of what I'm doing. And it's to overcome, to be successful. And I think that that's just a really important aspect because the road to the top is sometimes long, often really freaking hard, lonely, challenging, meant to to challenge and grow you as a human. And I think at the end of the day, the one thing you can come back to, good day, bad day, is that you're in it to win it. You're committed. Boom. Shoot them. Put them in your holster. Blow them off. (laughs) Wow. I love it. You're in it to win it. Another pageanism, like we've said earlier, is amazing. (laughs) Um, We can have all these amazing quotes just off this one podcast. Okay, this (laughs) is uh, our final question, which I think is a really good one and something that I know I've struggled with myself and I think a lot of young ladies do. How do you separate your self-image and self-worth from your performance when you give 120% to your performance and that's all you do? Yeah. Yeah. This is a tough one. I, and I think so great to be talked about proactively. I'm going to be completely transparent and say that I did not nail this as a competitor myself. I was in the pursuit of becoming an Olympian. I was 100% defined by what I accomplished on the ice. And while I was able to balance and navigate that because I didn't really have much of a life outside of figure skating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't, didn't really, I'm saying I, I didn't, it, we lived in a, an extreme in order to be an Olympian because the time has to be, the timing has to be right. Everything has to be right. Um, 
And when I retired, this was when I really realized that I had no idea who I was outside of Paige the figure skater. And I really struggled for about two years with who I was and what I'm doing, my self-worth. And it was really hard. And so as I redefined what success meant to me, as I worked through, I'm just talking from my own experience here. As I worked through to figure out what else I wanted to do, I realized that I also had to get to know myself outside of what I did. And I had to fall in love with who I was as a human. And so it really comes down to being able to focus on these two different pieces of your life. The what you're wanting to do and the value and the worth that you get from that. That's great. I'm not saying to don't do that. We love it. We're high achievers. We got big goals. Absolutely feel proud and worthy because of these things that you're doing. But in the process, also take time to get to know yourself. Like think about the simple question of why do I like myself? What are the traits that I wouldn't change about myself for the world? What do I, what lights me up about myself when I am having a good time? What do I hope people say about me when I leave the room? Not because I want to impress other people, but because I feel like they're getting a small glimpse of who I am. And so I think it really comes down to you have to put some effort and some work into getting to know yourself as a human, as a competitor, as a person, as a daughter, as a friend, as a girlfriend or a wife, like all these different roles in your life. What are the things about them that make you you and that you like about yourself? And to really draw confidence and worth from who you are, not just what you do. So we have to treat them as two individual things. We got to show up for both of them because man, if I know one thing to be true in this vast, amazingly challenging and beautiful life is that every single one of us is incredibly worthy and amazing simply for being who you are and for getting to where you are in life. And more times than not, everyone else around you recognizes it and sees it And you just got to take the time to turn that look in on yourself and to get to know it yourself so that you can see that for yourself. I love that answer. I love all these answers. And it's so true. (laughs) I I mean, but really, when you think about it, and and I mean, I want you guys, if if you can, to dive deep in this, but falling in love with yourself, that's hard. That's, That's a big task to take on. Like it is easy for me personally, which you know this, to look at somebody else and be like, oh my gosh, you're so good at this and this and this and this. But then looking at myself, it's a big, big challenge for me to like look inward and and I, something I'm working on. And I, I think we'll always work on um, as a high competitor and, and just our personality outlooks. But that is a deep question. And I really encourage everybody to go and ask yourself these questions that Paige has given you because it is instrumental. And, you know, we, we don't know, we, we're only here for a glimpse and it is so important. And we were all created individually and unique and in God's image and all the things. And so it is very, very important. And I love that answer. I think it's something personally I work on each and every day. And I know you have um, tremendously. And just, I just want to say as, as a friend and a co-entrepreneur, I'm so proud of you for everything that you've done and continue to do. And just mainly for, for taking the time for yourself and, you know, air quotes, self-talk. 
you got some, got some good self-talk going on there, but what's next for, for you in this next season? Uh, what does it look like being uh, Forrest's mom and uh, Richmond's obviously your better Richmond's better half. So, I mean, we'll, we'll give Richmond a small shout out here. Um, so what's it look like for you guys in the champion family in this next season? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of the same and a lot of differences. Richmond is still pursuing his goals as a bareback rider, and I'm still being able or trying to support him with my whole heart. I've got big goals in my business. I'm growing my podcast. I'm back coaching one-on-one primarily with entrepreneurs at this point in time. I have a group coaching program that I'm launching in March. I've got a podcast called Finding Greatness that's up and running. If you want to go check that out, we'd love to have you over there. Um, And we're doing all of that, which is the same, same, while learning how to be a small human's whole world, which is (laughs) so incredibly humbling and challenging and so motivating. And so, like I said at the beginning, I'm really just embracing this as a way to elevate my own performance as an entrepreneur, as a coach, as a wife, and as a mom. And I'm I'm really excited to to see what this next chapter holds for us. I have no idea. I've got a feeling it's going to be a good one. And uh, yeah, we're just here to enjoy the ride and to be the best that we can be along that ride. Well, Paige Lawrence, thank you so much for today for joining us. Uh, Great conversation. Great input. Thank you so much for your valued time. And we will see you down the road. That sounds so great. Thanks for having me.